0: Dustin, I'm one of the pastors here and it is awesome to be with you today. It's awesome to be continuing in this series. And before we, we look at some parables of Jesus or stories Jesus told, I, I thought I'd share a story from my own childhood with you. Um, I m- Many of you know I'm a Cubs fan and I only feel safe talking about this today because the Cubs and the Cardinals are doing the exact same thing today. Um, that wasn't a jab. It's like, I get it. Okay? Um I, I'm a Cubs fan, but I was not raised to be a Cubs fan. I, I was from the southwest side of Chicago, and so my dad, his dad, White Sox fans, that's what I was supposed to be. Um, sadly, that grandfather passed away when I was a child, and my other grandfather swooped in and brainwashed me with trips to Wrigley Field and WGN all summer long. Um, and so, but, but I was raised to be a White Sox fan, and so my dad, my grandpa, and I, we would go to White Sox games. And there was one game that we went to when I was like four years old, and we were walking out, and I did, on, on my way out to the car, what four-year-old boys are really good at doing, which is being slow and picking up random junk that I found on the ground. Um, and, and I know that because we have a five-year-old who is really good at walking slow and picking up junk that he finds on the ground. And, um, and so I had tried, started to amass a collection of bottle caps that I thought were really awesome that my dad did not think were so awesome, but, but he was really frustrated with me. And then I, I said, hey, Dad, I found a diamond. And he looks and sees what appears to be a piece of broken glass in between my fingers. And he is at this point ready to, like, kill me, drag me to the car. And But before he knocks it out of my hand, he pauses just long enough to say, we'll look at it when we get home. And so we do, and we have it tested. And it turns out that in the parking lot, I found a carat and a half diamond just sitting by itself, not in a ring, not not in any sort of setting or piece of jewelry. Just the diamond, all by itself. And you know, this is this is before the internet, so you don't put out a um, classified ad that says, "Found diamond on the south side of Chicago. If it's yours, call me." Um, <laughs> so. I, I found a carat and a half diamond just sitting there. And and my parents kept that diamond safe for me. And then later, when I was ready to get married, I had a diamond that I could put in a ring. And that was super cool because this broke ministry college student could have never afforded the engagement (laughs) ring that I was able to give my now wife. And that's like a super, super cute story. But It's also very much like the stories we're going to look at today. One of them, specifically, is about a person who randomly finds treasure. Something incredibly valuable that he wasn't expecting when he woke up that morning. And the stories that we're going to look at, they're in Matthew 13. And verses 44 through 46 are the three verses we'll be in. These three verses have two parables in them. And parables are our stories that Jesus tells that use things from our world to show us what the kingdom of God is like, and the kingdom of God being what this world was intended to look like, what the world looks and operates like when God is fully in charge of everything. When he is completely reigning over everything, that is where we get to experience life in the kingdom of God. And Jesus would regularly tell tell parables, he would preach sermons, it was his number one topic of conversation was the kingdom of God. Not just describing what it was like, but letting people know that it was now accessible to them through him. The kingdom of God is here, it is now, it is advancing, it is coming, it is unstoppable and it is here and made available to us in the person of Jesus. And so Jesus is describing the kingdom of God through parables. And in this chapter is a string of parables that Jesus is telling. And the two that he tells are very short, right? He fits two parables into three verses. And they look like they're identical, right? They look like it's just the same story retold with different words. And they are very similar, but they're not the same story. The different words that are used are significant, and and so we're going to look at each of those stories, what makes them unique, what are they saying in each of them, and then we're going to look at what they're both saying. So the first story we look at, it's verse 44. And Jesus tells the story of a man, and we're not given any information. Jesus starts the story, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. And so there's this treasure, and again, we don't know exactly what that treasure looks like. Is it gold? Is it, is it oil? Is it, is it put there by somebody else? That's what people did all the time before you had like central banks. Um, but there's a treasure hidden in a field, and a man is walking through a field. And again, we know nothing about this guy other than he discovers this treasure in the field. Is he, is he a treasure hunter? Is he, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Doesn't Doesn't say anything about that. He has no qualifications other than he's walking through a field, and he discovers a treasure in a field. And that treasure has the potential to change his whole life, and he knows it. The treasure is so much more valuable than anything he has. In fact, add up everything he has together, and it's still not as valuable as the treasure. And he has stumbled upon it. He wasn't out looking for it. He, He discovers There's a treasure in a field. And he recognizes this is is the most valuable thing I've ever seen, and this could completely change the trajectory of my entire life. I have to have it. But he's not a thief. So he covers it up, and he figures out if, if I liquidated everything, if I sold every asset I had, it'd be enough cash that I could buy that field. And then whatever's in that field belongs to me. And so I'm sure that didn't happen in five minutes. Maybe he was like really, really poor. He only had one thing and he sold that and that was a piece of cake. But he had enough to buy a field. And so I'm sure if this is a several days long process, you know he's sweating bullets every second. Just praying nobody saw him find the treasure. That the owner doesn't discover the treasure. That he can get every dot to line up so that he can get this thing because his life will be completely different after. I mean, I'm excited when I find 20 bucks in my pocket from the laundry, right? Because that's $20 that I get to do something with that I hadn't thought I was going to get to that week. So I can't imagine, right? The guy finds a life-changing fortune He sells everything, he purchases the field, and every day from there on out is different than it was before, because he now has the treasure. It's a fascinating story to think about, right? I would like to put myself in the shoes of that guy, because finding treasure would be awesome. But, let's remember, Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is like a treasure in a field. And so what, what is it that Jesus is saying about the kingdom of God in this story? And there's, there's several things you can take from it. I think the biggest thing I see is that the kingdom of God is undeserved and available to anyone. Right, let's go through again. What, what are the list of, of things that qualified this guy to have this treasure? There were none. He wasn't, he wasn't the owner of the land. It wasn't his by, by inheritance. It wasn't his by birthright. It wasn't his by, by any sort of genealogical or ethnic um, claim. It, it wasn't his at all. It wasn't even something that, that he had pursued or worked very hard for is, is all we're given in the story. This guy finds a treasure. He stumbles into it. There, there is nothing that he has done to earn this treasure but it becomes his. There's not a list of of any elite that is allowed to access this treasure. There's no list of a specific type of person who is able to access this treasure. It is there for anyone who would walk upon it and decide it's worth having. Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It is undeserved and open to anyone. It's a phenomenal story, and I'd ask you, is that story like your story at all? And I'm not asking that because there's a right or wrong answer or you're a good person if you say yes or a bad person if you say no. I think it's worth asking honestly of yourself, is my story like that story? Right? Have you stumbled into a massive treasure that you have identified as Jesus? Have you stumbled into a massive treasure you do not deserve, but has been made intentionally available to you in life with Jesus? Or, is your story maybe a little bit different? Maybe, maybe you think that somehow you do deserve the treasure, Right, that, that if the kingdom is like this, if the kingdom is the way the world is supposed to work, the way that the world is in perfect harmony with itself, if the kingdom is us in relational perfection with each other and with God and completely secure in our identity and who we are, if that's what it is, then maybe you have earned that perfection. I doubt it. But maybe in your mind, that's what you're working towards. Maybe you're trying to control every part of your life so that you can feel like you have earned this treasure, that you have earned this this ideal, perfect life that everybody else would want, right? And you've figured out exactly what filters make it look nice and which events to, to post onto your story and which ones to keep out so that it looks like the perfect life that everyone would want. But we all know that's not reality. Not just the actions of other people, but our own actions have brought imperfection into our lives. And because we have brought it in, we do not deserve perfection. And so if there is a treasure, the only way it can be for us is if it's for undeserving people. And that's what Jesus is saying the kingdom is like. The kingdom... Is open to anyone and it is undeserved and so even people like you and me have access to the kingdom through Jesus and so is your story like that maybe your story is like the the landowner that we never meet in the story person who owns the field that has a massive treasure sitting in it and he has no idea and realistically he's like every other person that owns a field and he's just hoping that the life that he has will be enough right if i can just work this farm hard enough and efficiently enough and the weather is right and the things that i have if i can make those all work for me enough that will be enough and i will be happy and I'm going to take the outlook that I have got to, to push everything I can together so that I can get by to the next year, or I can get enough stuff to, to find fulfillment, or I can, I, I can put myself in a place of security enough that I don't have to be afraid of anything, that I can just make this life work that I have built for myself. When in reality, the lives we build for ourselves don't ever work. And there is a massive, life-changing treasure available that we're just not taking. I think that's where a lot of us live. There, there is a life that, that is undeserved and is available to us in Jesus that we never experience because we're stuck trying to make the life that we have made for ourselves good enough. Maybe that's more like your story. Here's a second story Jesus tells. He starts out this one, kingdom of heaven, is like a merchant, which is different than how he started the first story, right? Maybe you've never read that. Again, they look like they're identical stories until you start picking them apart word by word. First one, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Second one, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. So the first one, the object is the treasure. The second one, the object is a person. So this is a merchant of fine pearls. Pearls. And pearls, these are, these are very, very precious commodities in the ancient world. Okay? This is, these are right up on, on level with gold, with silver, with any other precious metal because there are no artificial pearls thousands of years ago. There's only one way you get pearls, and that is that a grain of sand gets embedded inside an oyster or, or a clam, and they cover that with mucus, which is somehow pretty, and... Um, And and if physics are just right, that mucus hardens into a perfectly round ball that has a luster and color that nothing else on earth does. Now, you don't just get to, like, go through and harvest these up with, with a plow. You have to send divers down deep. They dig them by hand. They break them open with primitive knives to discover is there a rock in there or not. And of the ones you pull up, most of them are not perfectly round. Most of them are not very big. And this guy has spent his life looking for really good pearls. And so this is a very different individual in the first story, right? The first story is just some rando walking through a field. And he stumbles upon a treasure. Second story, this is a person who has trained himself to see a very specific thing. And so this guy is looking for pearls. That's what he does all day, every day. He dreams about pearls. He figures out which ones are good, which ones are bad, which ones can I make a profit on, which ones am I going to take a loss on. What's desirable in a pearl, what's not. And it says that he's out one day and he discovers the pearl. This is the one that makes every other deal he's ever done look like small potatoes. This is the pearl that would define his career. If he were somehow able to get his hands on this one, it would change everything. If he doesn't get it, every transaction for the rest of his life will just be a poor comparison to that one. And so he decides, I have to have it. And and, and so it says that he actually enjoy goes out, and he sells everything he has. Because because he's got, if I can get everything sold, if I can liquefy everything, I'll have enough cash to afford the pearl. And once I've got it, I will have the best pearl that I have ever seen, that most likely anyone's ever seen. And so he does it. What's Jesus saying in that story? What's Jesus trying to tell us about the kingdom in that story? I think differently than the first story, what Jesus is saying in this story is that in the kingdom, Jesus is recognized for exactly who he is. Right? Again, this is not an accidental find of treasure. This is a merchant who has trained himself to see a very specific thing. And and people who live in the kingdom have become accustomed to trying to identify Jesus in everything. People in the kingdom have a vision for Jesus and recognize that seeing Jesus, that seeing the pearl is the greatest thing they could ever hope to see. People in the kingdom recognize Jesus for who he is and give him that place, right? People in the kingdom have recognized that Jesus is the one who this whole thing revolves around. He is the center of everything. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. Everything in the kingdom, it exists for and under the authority of the king. And so if I am going to be in the kingdom, I have to recognize that Jesus is the one this whole thing is about. Jesus is the only one who saves. Jesus is the only one who satisfies. Jesus is the only one who heals. Jesus is the only one who can actually give me peace. Jesus is the only one who can bring me joy. Jesus is the only one who can restore and redeem and reconcile and forgive and breathe new life into me. Because I've seen a bunch of other pearls. I've seen a bunch of other stuff that people would want to give me. And none of them are as good as him. right? People in the kingdom live only wanting Jesus. Because what, what we find when we live for ourselves, that our lives become guided by this notion, this, this burning, passionate desire for him, her, it, or enough of it. Right, and I don't know what your right pronoun there is for your life. But any time that I have found myself miserable and disconnected from God, my life is being run by this belief that if I could just have him, her, it, or enough of it, then I would be happy. And so if I could just have these pearls, if I could have enough of them, If I could have this relationship, if I could have this title, if I could have this income, if I could have this stability, if I could have this whatever. See what Jesus is saying is that if we want to live in the kingdom, we have to come to the realization that none of those things will actually make us happy. We have to recognize Jesus is the king. And he's the only one that really matters. Now we can have a relationship with him because the kingdom is also for undeserving people like ourselves. It's open to anyone. It's open to people who don't deserve it. But in it we recognize that Jesus is the most valuable thing we could ever have. I'm going to ask you again, does your story look like the story of the merchant? Have you figured out that Jesus is the most valuable thing that you've ever set your eyes on? Jesus is the thing that you want to build your entire life around? Jesus is the thing that you want to see in every facet of your life? Or are you still hoping that him, her, it, or enough of it will make you happy. That's really the thing that I need. If I could just have blank. Or, have you become really good at looking at all that stuff and said none of it is going to bring me what I need? I will gladly get rid of all of it just so that I could have Jesus. That's the offer that Jesus makes to us. Jesus says, you come to me, bring your sin, your shame, your guilt, your fear, your brokenness, your rebellion, every bit of it. You bring that to me and I'll give you my goodness. And that exchange happens on a Roman cross. And, And at that cross... At an empty grave three days later, Jesus' new life becomes your new life. And that new life is not defined by all of the things that may have brought you there. Your new life is not defined by all of the things that you used to think would make you happy. Your new life is not defined by all of the ways that you have screwed this thing up. Your new life is defined by freedom that is found in grace. New life is found in the new life of Jesus. Two different stories paint two different pictures of the kingdom. Which one of those stories describes you? Which one of those stories is your story? Or are you still living out some other version? Are you still walking through fields hoping that you will find that thing that will be enough. Just hoping that that him heard it, enough of it, that will make it. That'll be the thing that, that makes it work. Maybe, maybe you haven't found the treasure of a lifetime yet. Maybe you haven't found the pearl that is worth selling everything. I don't know what your story is, I don't know where you're at, at with the Jesus thing. Maybe you would say that that you've tried the Christianity thing, you've tried the Jesus thing, you've tried the church thing, and it didn't work for you. And, And I'd ask you, what exactly does that mean? what is even the Christianity thing? Because I've done a version of the Christianity thing that didn't change my life at all. Actually, all it did was make me feel guilty about all the ways that that I still didn't deserve a life-changing experience. Maybe you've done the, the church thing or the Christianity thing, but I don't know if you've done the good news thing. Because what Jesus is revealing about the kingdom, what Jesus talks about all the time in the kingdom, when Jesus talks about the good news, Jesus is not talking about a ticket to heaven when you die. Jesus is not talking about some moralistic set of do's and don'ts. Jesus is not talking about a moral uh, pacifier for all of the things that you have done wrong in your life. Jesus is not talking about a, a religious Boy Scouts program where you're trying to get enough activities to make yourself worthy of anything. That's not good news. That is the the Christianity thing that a lot of us have done. The good news is that the kingdom is available to you, and it is available to you through the person of Jesus. The good news is life with Jesus is possible. That's the good news. Life with Jesus is the good news. He is the treasure. Life with Him is the treasure. And life with Him is better than any offer you're going to get anywhere else. right? Life with Jesus is the treasure. Having a marriage where you're able to love and respect and serve and honor each other and submit to each other the way that Jesus loves is the treasure. Being able to parent and discipline your children the way that Jesus loves and disciplines is the treasure. Having deep, interconnected friendships with people that would do anything for you and you would do anything for them, that is the treasure because Jesus shows us how to do that. Having a life in which you are so secure in your identity and purpose that you can take any criticism that might come your way, even regular death threats, because that's what Jesus took. And he never faltered. And so regardless of what people want to bring at me, I can be completely confident in who I am and where my standing is because it is built around Jesus and not the opinion of anyone else. That's the treasure The treasure is a life in in which I'm not having to remember which lie I told to who so that I can keep my story straight all the time so that everybody's perception of me can be managed exactly the way I want it. That's the treasure. The treasure is not having my life run by mistakes that I have made in my past, living in shame for things that that happened to me or that I did, that, that I have no control of. Because those things have been nailed to a cross, and they are no longer the definition of who I am. That's the treasure. And this life with Jesus that I am experiencing now, I will experience for eternity. That is the invitation that Jesus makes. And it is good news, and it is far better than any Christianity thing I have ever tried. Is that story your story? Have you discovered a treasure that is more valuable than anything else you've ever seen? At some point we move from accidental treasure finders to merchants who are looking for treasure everywhere. That's when life in the kingdom becomes fun. When I begin to see Jesus in absolutely everything. Because it really is not just a ticket to heaven someday when I die. It is, it is having every part of my life completely transformed by Jesus. It is doing my life with Jesus. right? And the goal is not to become Jesus, because you can't. right? You're not perfect, you're not God, and he's physically a person, so you can't be another person. The goal is not to become Jesus and the the goal is not to become uh, a pastor or a missionary or or some other work for a nonprofit, some other holy thing that people think we should do. Good people, right? No, that's not the goal. The goal is not to be Jesus. The the goal is not to to change your your profession to become something that is admirable in the eyes of God because every profession is the Lord's. The goal is for you to live your life the way Jesus would live your life if he were you. Okay, I'll say that again. The goal is not for you to be Jesus. The goal is for you to live your life the way Jesus would live your life if he were you. If Jesus were a stay-at-home mom, what kind of stay-at-home mom would he be? If Jesus were an accountant, what kind of accountant would he be? If Jesus were retired, how would he do retirement? Right? He, he only worked three years, but his retirement plan was not great. Um, <laughs> does that make sense? How would Jesus do your life? If Jesus were a student, what kind of student would he be? How would he interact with his peers? How would he interact with his family? How would he do conflict? And then I think there's another question for us. How would we even do that? And why would I want to put myself through all of the change that would have to happen to live that way? Right? And maybe you wouldn't say those things out loud, but I think it's a it's a fair question. Cuz again, maybe you've tried the Christianity thing and it wasn't that awesome. So why would I put myself through everything it would take to to have Jesus transform every single part of my life to ask how would Jesus do this? Because probably the way Jesus would do a lot of things is not very convenient. I think the answer is found in what both stories Tell us. Both individuals, whether they were looking for it or not, when they found the treasure, there was no doubt in their minds what they had to do. Because they knew that what they had seen was far better than anything else they were ever going to get. Can you imagine that guy's life that stumbled across a life-changing fortune and decided, you know what, I don't know how to sell everything I own. That's what it would take, and that just, I just don't feel like I can do that. And so he passes. Could he have lived with himself? How does the merchant go through the rest of his career knowing that he passed on the sweetest deal that anyone's ever seen. No, they both happily go and get rid of anything they have to because they've recognized that that thing is the most valuable thing I've ever seen. See, we think a lot of times that making my life look like Jesus is signing up for misery, right? Jesus is going to ask me to to become a pastor, go to Africa and be a missionary or do really hard things. You're doing really hard things now. They're just not fulfilling. Yes, there is a cost to following Jesus, but I think there's a bigger cost to not following Jesus. Right, you want to talk... Opportunity cost in in business terms. The opportunity cost of not following Jesus is too big. So Jesus says, you, you're invited. Get rid of everything else. Get rid of your way of doing it because your way stinks. It's not very good. It hasn't made you happy. It hasn't made everybody else in your life happy. So let's stop doing it that way. And you take on my way. And let's do life together. And let's transform every single part of your life. Let's change how you do, how you think, how you act, what you want. Let's change all of it. Not because I've got some some crazy... Punishment plan set up, but because the life that I have in mind for you is the one I designed you for. And it's so much better than what you're doing. And so let's get rid of that junk. Let's stop trying to get him, her, it, or enough of it. And let's walk through life together. That is a very different deal than the Christianity thing. That's life with Jesus. And so I don't know which story sounds most like yours, or if your story sounds like either of those. But if it doesn't, why not make it today? The kingdom of God is for undeserving people. That means you. It's open to anybody. There's no qualifiers of who's invited to the party. It's you. It's a completely different way of looking at life, and it can start today. And so how about you decide today, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. And maybe that's yes for the very first time, or maybe that's I'm going to stop doing the the church thing or the Christian thing. I'm going to stop just trying to be at everything or hope that my kids get good morals from this place. I'm going to actually live life with Jesus. Say yes. And starting today, the way that I think is going to be different. Starting today, the way that that you, you fight with your spouse is different. Starting today, the way that you approach being single is different. Starting today, the way that you discipline your kids is different. Starting today, the way that you, you talk to customer service representatives on the phone is different. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, even that. Even that can be different. It can be different not because you said a prayer or some magic words or everything was changed in an instant. But it's changed because you're starting life with Jesus and Jesus does life differently. Let's be people who do that life. Let's be people who live with Jesus. Let's be people who let the cross transform everything. Let's be people who live in the kingdom with the only king that is worth serving. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the only king we're serving. And it's incredible that you would, would let people like us have citizenship in your kingdom. You'd allow us to be called co-heirs with you. Jesus, may, may we see everything that we hold dear for the junk that it is in comparison to you. God, the things we spend money on, the things we give our attention to, the people we hold most dear, Lord, the grudges we want to hold, the, the success that we think will make us happy, God, would you reveal all of that to be stuff that will never satisfy Jesus, may we may we have the courage to to go sell everything so that we can have you. May we have the courage to, to do whatever it takes to make that deal happen. Get rid of our way so that we can have you. Lord, it is amazing that you you forever extend that invitation to us. Lord, whether it's the first time that we've ever said it or or the hundredth time, Lord, today we need you. Would you make that deal? Would you take our sin and brokenness and would you offer us grace and life? We thank you for being a God who allows us to do that. Thank you for being the, the treasure that is worth everything. We love you. Amen.